Sermon 33 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Let all bitterness and hastiness and wrath and roaring and injury be put from you with all spitefulness. And be ye gentle one to another and kind-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God through Christ forgave you. The fifth chapter. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love, even as Christ loved us, and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice unto God, for a scent of good savour. We know that all God's children not only should be peaceable themselves, but also procure peace to the uttermost of their power, and make atonement, whereas was disagreement and strife, forasmuch as it is the mark that our Lord Jesus Christ hath given us. Now, if we ought to reconcile those between whom there was any secret grudge, much more ought we to abstain from all moving of debate. For what authority or means shall we have to bring them together, which are grieved one at another, and to set them at brotherly atonement, or to assuage their choler, when they be moved with some over-vehement passion, if we ourselves be full of strife and trouble, and given to crying, roaring, and storming? So then, not without cause, doth St. Paul declare that all bitterness— with testiness and anger and cursed speaking ought to be put away from the faithful, even with all spitefulness. For he setteth down spitefulness here as the root that yieldeth the fruits which he speaketh of. And by that word he meaneth such churlishness as maketh every man to be to himself, and to draw alone without regard of others. For it cannot be but that the man which loveth himself overmuch must needs disdain his neighbours and so shake them off, as no gentleness can be gotten at his hand. Then, if we intend to avoid strife and quarrelling, we must begin at this point of putting away churlishness, and considering that God hath linked us together, endeavour every man to maintain peace and friendship, and regard those whom God hath so in honoured as to make them his children, or at leastwise created after his own image. That is for the first point. Now, out of this spitefulness bringeth bitterness, which is, when we be wayward and easy to be moved, and there reigneth such a scornfulness in us, as we think all the world to be our underlings, and that other folks are nothing in respect of us. When we be puffed up with such pride, it cannot be, but that we must needs be bitter, and by and by be out of patience at the stirring of every straw, if it be to our misliking, and take all things in ill part, and seek occasion of unquietness according as we see a great number which are not contented with chafing when any wrong is done to themselves but although the matter touch them not do seem to be set as spies to mark if there be anything to check at indeed if a man speak but one word that mislikes them they will not in any wise be quieted but are still finding fault with everything and howsoever the world go, they must needs be meddling where they have nothing to do, for they be of so froward a nature that they will be quarrelling for the furthest stranger in the world. But if the matter concern themselves, though a man labour never so much to please them, and to do the thing that may content them, yet will they ever mislike of somewhat, and if a man ask them the reason why, there is none other to be found but their own cankered stomach, because they have conceived a rancour, and are puffed up with pride to esteem their own self-will with disdain of others. We see then that St. Paul hath showed us here the true remedies to hold ourselves in awe, that we may live peaceably and keep ourselves from entering into quarrels and brawls. A physician will not only bid a man beware of the fever or any other disease, 
but he will also consider whereto he is inclined, and see what things may be against him, and thereupon say unto him, Beware of such a thing, for surely ye cannot but fall into such a sickness, or such an inconvenience, if you take not heed to yourself. Now we would be heady enough to keep the orders that are prescribed us for the health of our bodies. But when it comes to the soul, every of us is negligent, whereby we show that we make none account of our salvation, and that is because we consider not that on the one side the devil laboureth to seduce us, and we on the other side are so frail, as we never cease to give ourselves to evil, except our Lord have armed and fenced us with his word. So much the more, therefore, doth it standeth on hand to mark the order that is set down here, which is, that to live quietly together, and to keep ourselves from contention and strife. First, we must not be blinded with excessive love of ourselves, but rather endeavour to rid away all pride, that we may make account of our neighbours, and live meekly with them. For that will restrain us from being so bitter and testy, in taking all things in ill part. And hereupon St. Paul telleth us that, when we be so purged within, both of spitefulness and of bitterness, we must abstain from hastiness, and from wrath, and from roaring. For here he setteth down the sudden heats of choler, wherethrough men overshoot themselves, ere they be aware of it, and afterward fall into rages that cannot be stayed. For this cause it behoveth us to be mortified, for then will it be easy to allay the heat, yea, and even to quench it. But when we be so inflamed with wrath, all must needs be full of thundering, and there will be no measure of our anger. You see then that the thing in effect which we have to mark here is that forasmuch as God's children ought to live in peace and concord, they must to the uttermost of their power bridle all their passions, yea, and consider what cometh of wrath and anger, namely that fire is kindled, open war proclaimed, many words escape which a man would wish in again, and finally thereof springeth incurable mischief. Now then, if we look well whereto all our moodiness leadeth us, or rather arrayeth us away, namely that the devil taketh possession of us, and holdeth us in the stocks, that we have neither reason nor stay of ourselves, when we be so far out of patience, courteous we would stand upon our guard, and not give place to the devil, as hath been declared afore. Howbeit, that we may avoid strife and debate, let us learn to cleanse our hearts of bitterness and testiness, and to bring that to pass, let us learn to esteem well of those that are linked unto us, and unto whom also we be bound." Thus ye see in effect how we ought to put this text in your. And forasmuch as it is a thing as hard to be kept as any, and a thing that doth greatly hinder us, therefore St. Paul addeth that it behoveth us to be mild, gentle, and courteous one to another. Here he setteth down the contraries to the bitterness and spitefulness that he spake of. And he bringeth us back to this principle that, inasmuch as we be men, God hath created us after his own image, and that inasmuch as he hath called us to the belief of his gospel, thereby he hath marked us new again, and there we behold his image, which ought to move us to the gentleness whereof he speaketh. Therefore let us mark well that we cannot despise the least that is without dishonouring God. For, as I told you afore, all men are made after his image. Now were it tolerable that an earthly worm should esteem itself so much, and exalt itself so far as to set light by his Maker. Let us make no excuse in this behalf, for all that we can allege will stand us in no stead. And, as I said, seeing that God hath inhonoured men so highly as to give them so excellent a nature, it is good reason that we should yield honour and reverence to his majesty, and not tread them under foot by whom he representeth himself unto us. Again, if a man consider himself well, shall he not see his own nature as it were in a glass in all his neighbours? 
Yes, for the greatest personages in the world cannot say that they be made of any other stuff than the rest of Adam's children are. Seeing it is so then, what cause have we to be so proud as to disdain those and are allied to us by such a kindred as cannot be worn out? Howbeit there is yet a more particular reason as in respect of the faithful, for in them God hath engraved his image new again, which was as good as defaced by Adam's sin. Then, since it is so, let us learn to be gentle and courteous one to another, and not to be so churlish as no man may have access to us, nor yet so strange and scornful as to separate ourselves from the common array and company of other men. This is the thing that St. Paul meant by the gentleness or courtesy that he spake of. Now hereupon he addeth mercifulness. Let us, saith he, have compassion one of another. And this compassion stretcheth very far, and is, as it were, the wellspring that moveth us to gentleness. We will always grant that a mild spirit is a singular virtue, and one without the which we cannot continue in the world. And how may it be maintained among us? The only means is this compassion, that is to say, the disposition of mind which causeth us to think that when we see any despised person, yet is he our neighbour, that is to say, our own flesh and blood. Yea, but yet is he despised, neither hath he anything to be esteemed for, yet notwithstanding, the miseries that are in him may also fall upon me. Then, if we consider that, surely our hearts will yearn to see the man that is brought to so great an after-deal in respect of others, and whether he be weak of body or have some infirmity of mind, it will grieve us and touch us with pity to rue his case." And so there would be no gentleness in us, if it were not for this compassion. Now then, for the case, there be a poor man that is sore diseased, or that droopeth and draggeth his wings upon the ground, should he be held scorn of for that? No, but contrarywise, if we were not utterly merciless like wild beasts, surely the very same ought to move our bowels, as the scripture teacheth us, and to incline us unto pity, at leastwise if we did our duty." Again, if there be any impediment of wit or mind, as, for example, some silly soul hath much ado to understand one saying among a hundred, yea, he is not able to discern white from black, if I have not compassion of him, what letteth me to do it, but mine own cruelty, which maketh me to forget common kindness, whereby God knitteth us all together? Ye see, then, that if we have any drop of pity to keep us from rejecting them that are allied unto us, and also from disdaining them in whom there is any cause of compassion and mercy, we shall not fail to be gentle and courteous towards our neighbours in all cases and at all times. To be short, like as the miseries which God knoweth to be in us do move him to be merciful towards us, so the miseries that are in our neighbours ought to be as spurs to prick us and provoke us to be pitiful unto them. Yea, and there is yet more, that even their vices which inflame us to choler and anger ought to minister occasion unto us to pity our neighbours. I see some man that hath done me wrong, not it is the devil that hath driven him thereunto, and the wretched man doth but undo himself, for he provoketh God against him. Now then, if there were no more in me but the common nature whereunto God hath knit us all, ought I not to be sorry at the heart when I see a soul that is beguiled by Satan's subtlety? go to destruction. Yes, verily. Therefore, let none of the wrongs carry us away which are done unto us, neither let us be so far provoked as not to pity those that do amiss, namely because they be blinded by Satan and provoke God's wrath, and fight against their own salvation. Behold then the very remedy which we have to hold us unto and to keep, is that to be gentle we must be pitiful and have compassion, as is showed in the foresaid texts. For there is none of us, but he would gladly be born with all, and 
Without that, we could not tell how to live one day in the world. The perfectest man that is hath yet some infirmity, insomuch that if men should deal altogether rigorously with him, he should be disdained, yea, and as good as utterly disgraced and defaced. Nay, further, where is that man to be found which hath not many infirmities in him, and would not fain be greatly borne withal, as need requireth, and that men should not shake him off, though he have some vices that deserve their withdrawing of themselves from him? Now, if we would so fain be borne withal ourselves, ought not we also to pity others? And soothly, when we see a man hath some blemish, ought we not to think, I am subject to the same? Verily, when I have sifted all things thoroughly, I shall find other things in myself that deserve more justly to be condemned. And yet, would I fain be borne withal, though I were never so much convicted? Therefore, like as we would that other men should pardon us, so let us learn to pity other men, for they be no more angels than we be. That then is the thing which St. Paul meant to bring us to. And thereupon he concludeth that we should forgive one another. For if compassion go not always afore, surely we will not let a pin's point go without examination and rigorous sifting of it, and without unmeasurable displeasure, as experience showeth in very deed too much. Therefore a body should not stir a straw, but we would be out of patience at it. And why? Because there is no pity in us. But if we be touched with mercy, surely we will easily forgive, and let many things slip and pass unseen, and moreover we will not be lightly moved, but there will be a bridle to hold us back, and we will not refuse to admit them always to friendship which have so offended. That therefore is the order which St. Paul keepeth to bring us to charity, and to maintain us in it, for it is the whole sum of this lesson. To be God's children, say I, we must love one another, and be knit together in good agreement, that peace may be maintained among us. And how is that possible to be? For every man is too much meted to himself. Again, their minds are as far differing as may be, their manners and conditions also are differing. To be short, we have infinite causes to put us away, and to cast us off from all company. And surely if every man let himself loose, charity shall never take place, but be banished far from us. What is to be done then? We must first rid away all scornfulness and pride, as is said afore, and afterward be cleansed from bitterness and frowardness, so as we fall not to be choleric and testy, but every man bridle himself and subdue his own affections. But this cannot be done except we be gentle and kind-hearted namely because we be creatures fashioned after the image of God, and knit together with an inseparable bond. Yet would not all this suffice until we have learned to know our own infirmities, and that every of us be angry with himself, because he seeth that he hath need to be quickened up, and that there be many vices in himself of the same sort that are in his neighbours, and that therefore we have need of this bond to hold us fast together, which will then be done when we be merciful and pitiful. Now, if common courtesy ought to move us to succour such as are in necessity, it ought also to be of force to reconcile us. For when our Lord Jesus exhorteth us to be merciful, it is not only to the intent we should relieve the hungry and thirsty with meat and drink, or help up a man again that is fallen in decay, or that we should succour every man according to our own ability and the party's need. Our Lord Jesus intendeth not that alone. 
True it is that all things are comprehended therein, but he will have us specially to show mercy in forgiving the faults that are committed, and not to be so extreme as to shake off those utterly which are not altogether to be commended, or in whom we spy many vices. Indeed, we ought not to flatter one another, for true friendship will not bear that, because it would be but a foding of us to our own destruction. So, if a man be a friend to another, and suffer him to overcome himself with meat and drink, so as in the end he killeth himself, is it to be said that his flattering of him after that manner, and his foding of all his foolish appetites, is friendship? No. So then, if we see a poor man at the point to throw himself headlong into destruction, we do well show ourselves to be rather traitors than friends to him, if we endeavour not to pluck him back. The compassion, therefore, whereunto our Lord Jesus exhorteth us, is not a rocking of us asleep in our infirmities through flattery, but a holding of ourselves in measure, and a tempering of our rigour in such wise as oil may always be mingled with our vinegar, as they say. That is, in effect, the thing whereto St. Paul meant to bring us. For although every man do his best to be pitiful, so as he may show no overgreat rigour towards his neighbour, yet is it as contrary to our nature as anything can be. For, as I have said already, this self-love of ours doth so blind us that we make the least scapes in the world to be heinous sins and offences unpardonable. By means whereof, if any man anger us, to our seeming his fault ought not in any wise to be forgiven, so then mercifulness shall never be found in men unless they fight it out to the uttermost against their own affections. As for single teaching, it will not boot in that behalf." we have this churlishness so deeply rooted in our hearts that if we be told of our duty it doth but half move us for this cause st paul setteth god's example afore us here who hath forgiven us in his only son and immediately thereunto he addeth that our lord jesus christ who spared not himself for our redemption and salvation the thing then that can break all hardness in us the thing that can mortify all our excessive passions the thing that can reclaim all our cruelty pull down all our pride and loftiness, and sweeten all our bitterness, is to have an eye to God's behaving of himself towards us. Now he hath loved the world so well that he hath given his only Son to death for our sakes. If we compare ourselves with God, what a distance is there betwixt us? So then the greatest wrongs that we can possibly imagine to be done unto us are nothing in comparison of the least fault that we commit against God. For a man cannot devise to break God's will never so little, but the same is an encountering of his sovereign dominion, a violating of his majesty, and an overthrowing of his righteousness, which are things too precious to be abused. What like thing is to be found in man, can it be said that if one have misused it, it ought to be esteemed as if a man had infringed God's righteousness? Now then, we have just cause to condemn ourselves until we serve God as we ought to do. And who doth that? we be enemies to him aforehand even from our mother's womb and as we grow in age so grow we continually without ceasing in naughtiness in all sinfulness and in all unrighteousness and yet for all that god hath not forborne to look mercifully upon us insomuch that the more wretched we were the more hath he uttered his infinite mercy in sending us his only son now if we consider this ought not all pride to be laid down all bitterness assuaged all rebelliousness tamed, all spitefulness rid out of our hearts, and all untruth put away. Yes, verily. What is the cause, then, that we be so wayward, and that when heat hath once carried us away, we cease not even to spur forward ourselves, and that we do so easily enter into contention and strife, that all the house where we be must ring of us? What is the cause hereof? Even our own unthankfulness, 
for that we think not upon God's incomparable goodness towards us, in that he hath not spared his only Son, notwithstanding that we were his deadly enemies, notwithstanding that we were at war with him, notwithstanding that we were cursed already of nature, because of the corruption that is in us. But yet, notwithstanding all this, as I said afore, it is impossible that we should taste of God's mercy, except we be touched with compassion, and have our hearts rid clean of that cursed affection of revenge. So then, albeit that St. Paul have exhorted us to things that are very hard, yea, and utterly repugnant to man's nature, and which cannot be brought to pass except God work in that behalf, yet notwithstanding the declaration that is showed us here, ought to prevail so much with us as to make us forget all wrongs. For admit that another man have offended me, what then? Can I try my self-righteousness and guiltlessness when I shall come before God? Alas, there are so many iniquities and transgressions in me that I should be confounded a hundred thousand times. Should one fault then which is committed against me be unpardonable? Shall a hundred, yea, a whole million which I have committed against God, be nothing? What am I in comparison of the sovereign majesty? So then, following this warning of St. Paul's, whensoever we be moved to impatiency for any displeasure or wrong, so as we have any desire of revenge, let us learn, let us learn, I say, to gather our wits about us, and to consider what we be. For, first of all, if a man have committed any fault against us, we ourselves do the like, or far worse. On the other side, let us consider how God hath redeemed us, yea, and specially by that most precious pledge of the blood shed of his only Son. And have we deserved that? Again, what cause hath moved God to be so merciful towards us? Nothing else but our wretchedness. Now seeing that he which is so good, and that he, being not of our nature, hath notwithstanding had compassion of our wretchedness, wherein we were plunged, what shall we do? Ought not we to have much more compassion one of another, because we find the things in ourselves which we pardon in our neighbours? God can find no infirmities in himself, and how then shall he be moved to forgive us? truly even because he is the wellspring of all goodness and mercy. But when I see the thing that grieveth me in my neighbour, if I examine well myself I shall find the like there, or else much more. Should not all these things persuade me to some compassion, if I forget not myself too much? The way then to make us easily forgive many faults, and to bear with many vices, that may mislike us in our neighbours, is to cast our eyes upon the inestimable love which God hath borne us in the person of his Son." And hereupon we may conclude, as I said afore, that if we were not too unthankful, there would be another manner of mildness among us than there is, and we would not so soon fall out for every wrong that is done us. For ought we not to think early and late, and day and night, upon the favour that is granted us in our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the day-sun to enlighten us? Should we be so brutish as not to consider that he maketh his spiritual light to shine upon us, of purpose to guide us to salvation? And how is that done but by God's mercy? Again, when we behold the favour that God showeth us in maintaining us in this present life, are we worthy to be found at his cost? No, but all cometh to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore it would become us both sleeping and waking, eating and drinking, in rest and in labour and in all else, to consider always the mercy that God useth towards us, and to bear it in mind, and to make it our continual exercise. And specially must this grace come always before our eyes when we pray unto God. For what access may we have to talk familiarly with him, and to discharge all our cares and griefs, as it were, into his lap, yea, and to call him our Father, if we be not called to him through his free bestowed goodness in our Lord Jesus Christ, and he forgive us our transgressions? If we bethink us not of all these things, we be too dull-headed and brutish, 
and hereby it appeareth full well, that we shall always be disallowed in bragging ourselves to be God's children, and his household folk and faithful children, if we be not willing and glad to forgive. We may well boast of it afore men, yea, and we may be had in estimation through a fond opinion, but yet will God disgrade us. So then, if we be loath to forgive, our unthankfulness bereath itself therein, how that we consider not the infinite goodness of our God, as he showeth it in our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the thing in effect whereto St. Paul intendeth to bring us. Now he addeth that we must be followers of God as well-beloved children. For a man might yet reply, it is true that God's mercy ought to ravish us all and to amaze us, and it is so wonderful a thing that all our affections ought to be fastened upon it. But what for that? Are we able to be like unto God? No, for he is the fountain of all goodness, and we be lewd and untoward. Yea, God hath the full perfection of all goodness in him, and there is not so much as one drop of it in our nature. No marvel then, though we come nothing near him, nor have any resemblance or likeness unto him. Such reply, say I, might men have made if St. Paul had not added this saying, Be ye followers of God. That is to say, follow ye him, let him be your example or pattern, for although God be the sovereign goodness itself, and that we have not any peace of us which tendeth not to evil, yet is it no sufficient excuse for us that we should therefore be utterly against him, for that is a token that we belong nothing at all to him. Truly, as in respect that we be but only men, Adam's sin hath so alienated us from God, that there out of spring malice, spitefulness, pride, excessive passions, and wicked desire of revenging, and it separateth us from God, in whom is the fullness of all goodness. Such are we from our mother's womb, through Adam's sin, as I said afore, but yet for all that... Must we not needs change our kind when it pleaseth God to reach us his hand, and to gather us to him, and to knit the things again in one which were scattered asunder? Yes, and that is the cause why St. Paul saith, as God's dear beloved children. Herein he showeth that we shall have our mouths shut unless we answer God in goodness by bearing one with another, according also as our Lord Jesus telleth us in St. Matthew. Follow your heavenly Father, saith he, which maketh his Son to shine both upon good and bad. For to say that we be God's children, to call upon him, to pretend the name of Christians, and yet in the meanwhile to be despisers of God, and to make as though we would defy him by showing that we draw aloof from him, is it not utterly against kind? Yes, and therefore let no man deceive himself, but let us consider that we be not only full of hypocrisy, but also utterly past shame, when we fashion not ourselves like unto God, and yet will needs be held and taken for his children. True it is, that to be so fashioned like unto God, and to resemble him so fully, as one man cometh near unto another, is impossible, but yet must we not be out of heart for all that. And soothly we must call to mind how the scripture saith, that if we go on to Godward, although we be far off from the mark that we aim at, yet doth he accept that willingness of ours when we keep our way and endeavour continually to go on forward still. Although we be slow and weak, and although we trip and stumble, yet God imputeth none of those faults unto us when we be desirous to fashion ourselves like to him. When we shoot at that mark, although we be far short or wide of it, yet doth God take it in good worth, as I said. And that ought to give us courage. For if we should be driven to fashion ourselves like unto God point by point in all respects, alas, how could it be done? For even the very angels, notwithstanding that there be nothing but holiness in them, and that God's glory shineth forth in them, are yet far short from the perfection that is in God. 
and what are we then which be so corrupted and marred which have such abundance of naughtiness and which are so plucked back and turned away by so many vices and temptations which satan trumpeth in our way yet have we this to rejoice of that our lord beareth with us and accepteth all our doings in good part so we keep on towards him that is the manner of following him which is commanded us here true it is that we must not in the meanwhile fall asleep and say as many do i would fain be like unto god and then do but wring their mouth at it but we must consider every day and every hour that we have ill profited in the true rule of fashioning ourselves like unto god and thereupon condemn ourselves for it and think thus i had some good will yesterday how is it increased since nothing at all but rather to my seeming it is become colder after that manner must we quicken up ourselves and fight against the things that hinder us that we may endeavour to go still forward and to come nearer and nearer to our mark from whence we be yet so far off but howsoever we fare yet will not our lord fail to esteem us always to be like him and to be true followers of him if we willingly and without hypocrisy forgive them that have offended against us at leastwise after his example who hath given us a pardon that is far greater than all the pardons that can be gotten at our hands so as we bear with the vices and infirmities of our neighbours as we see that he hath borne with us for he might justly sink us down to the bottom of hell and yet he forbeareth not to adopt us for his children seeing then that he loveth us after such a sort notwithstanding all the unworthiness that is in us it is good reason that we should resemble him in so doing and although we had no better prerogative than our natural birth yet ought we to know that god hath not separated us asunder even the wretched pagans had some understanding hereof for they said that a man's life is to tend unto god and to be fashioned like unto his image and that the same is also the full perfection of all happiness and again they added that we cannot resemble god better in anything than in using gentleness one towards another and in doing good and in being pitiful let then us consider that inasmuch as god hath made us his well-beloved children us i say which were his enemies and had nothing but filthiness in us and were clogged with so many vices that we were worthy to be loathed of him and yet he hath not lettered to love us it is good reason that we should wink at many things that might offend us and hinder our loving of our neighbours and our holding with them now st paul having spoken of god addeth also the example of our lord jesus christ the heavenly father loved the world so well that he spared not his only son but delivered him to the death for us and what did jesus christ he forgot himself he regarded not his own person he that was the lord of all glory submitted himself to all reproach he that was the life from the beginning made himself mortal he that was the power of god the father made himself weak for love of us he that had all things in his hand became poor to enrich us he by whom all things are blessed became subject to cursing seeing then that our lord jesus christ abased himself after that fashion as st paul also saith in another place where he setteth him forth as an example for us and instead of his glory took upon him all shame and instead of his righteousness became sin not that he offended or had any blemish or spot in him, but as bearing the punishment of our sins, in which respect also the scripture termeth him by the name of sin. And again, instead of life, took death, and vouchsafed to be cursed of God in this world, that we might have blessedness by his means. When we think upon all this, ought not all pride, or presumption, or fierceness, or scornfulness, and all bitterness, to be laid away, considering the means whereby our Lord Jesus Christ hath reconciled us to God his Father? so then let us think well upon all those things 
and furthermore to pull us the more down, and to break the hard-heartedness whereto we be too much inclined. St. Paul saith that he offered a sacrifice of good savour unto God his Father, as if he should say, My friends, had you once well weighed the grace and favour that is purchased you by our Lord Jesus Christ, you would soon beat back all the wicked affections which make you to stomach things, and ye would fight against them until ye had overcome them, and therefore be kind-hearted in bearing one with another, and seeing it hath pleased God to gather us as it were into one flock, and that our Lord Jesus Christ doth the duty of a shepherd to lead us together, show yourselves to be as a flock of sheep, and not as ravening wolves." For so much then as our Lord Jesus disdaineth us not in anything, insomuch that he hath made an offering and sacrifice of his own person unto God his Father, whereby he hath wiped out all our sins, let it move us and ravish all our wits to glorify God, and to do homage to our Lord Jesus Christ, as oft as we think upon it. And whereas he saith that the sacrifice which was offered by Jesus Christ was of sweet scent or savour, thereby he showeth that there is nothing but stench in us. To what end hath he sanctified us? To rid away our infections and filthiness, which made us stinking and loathly before God, as when sacrifices were offered in the material temple, God said they were of good savour unto him, howbeit that was in respect of men, who could not come unto God by reason of their sins, for that they be infected with them, and therefore God must needs have shunned them. But all was fulfilled by our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the truth of the shadows of the law." Seeing it is so, let us understand that whereas it is said that the sacrifice which Jesus Christ offered was of sweet savour before God, it was to put away the remembrance of all our infections, to the intent that when we appear before the face of God, as we must daily in our prayers and supplications, our sins may not be laid to our charge, so that, although we be disfigured like wretched lepers, so as there is nothing but infection in us, yet the same may be no impediment, but that God may embrace us as righteous and innocent, to be companions with the angels, and fashioned fully according to his image. And how may that be done? Even because our Lord Jesus Christ will have all our spots wiped away, so as we may now come before him with our heads upright, being well assured that he will always make us find the fruit of his mercy, which he hath once told us of. Now let us kneel down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgement of our faults, praying him to make us so to feel them more and more, as it may draw us unto true repentance, and yet notwithstanding, we not doubt, but that he beareth with us to the end, that we should ask him mercy and forgiveness, assuring ourselves that he will hear us, if we keep the way that he showeth us by his word, and reform us more and more according to his image, so as we may give a true proof that we call upon him for our Father. So we covet nothing else also but to be his true children. And so let us say, Almighty God, Heavenly Father, etc. End of Sermon 33